Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Landsharks After Dark, the podcast about the old Miss Rebels. I'm your host, Justin Sanders. Got my co-host, John Stefanczyk, with me. We're talking some uh, National Signing Day 2018. It is February 7th. Uh, the recruiting cycle is officially over, although I guess the way it works, you, you could still sign kids. Like, the rankings aren't necessarily set in stone, but the vast majority of uh, good recruits are, have signed by this point. Uh, Matt Luke says Old Miss's class is done. So we're going to get into that, uh, but first, let me introduce my co-host, John. How you doing tonight, buddy? Doing good. The Friday rolling weather report, New Hampshire weather report. Oh, they're going to be happy about this. Six inches of snow today. Oh, baby. Made it home. We had about six inches in six hours, so but we're good. We're rolling. So that happened while you were at work, and then you had to try tr- yeah, to do it? Yeah, I drove back, and there's about four inches on the ground, so... Did you ever live anywhere before that you had to drive in the snow? Like, what's that transition like? Uh, I did. I do own a. I drive a Subaru Forester. Right. As you new, as you do when you live in New Hampshire, naturally. The most New England car you can buy, and it's an excuse. And all wheel drive is so not that big of a deal. Plus, mm-hmm. chunk of the listeners know I race go karts for a number of years. As a right. Kid. Right. Flip car control and slick surfaces is kind of. Something I'd say I'm better than most at, just from experience. Well, this is like a complete aside, even more so than we have on this show, but the listeners might benefit from this as well. Have you ever seen the documentary Racing Dreams by director Marshall Carey? I have not, actually. You should definitely check that out. It's like really good. It's like about like four kids that are coming up in like the professional go-kart circuit and they want to be like nascar drivers and it's like really yeah. good human interest it's really simple you need a big checkbook yeah yeah no get... that's and that's part of it like a lot of, a lot of them aren't from well-off families and their families are super struggling trying to get them through this hobby but they want you know they want to um give their kids everything they want so when did this come out it's about the wka that's what i raced probably mm-hmm. so I, I don't remember the name of the exact it's thing not... It probably came out in 2009. I'm pulling it up right now, yeah. It came out in 2009. I, I, I greatly enjoy it. Marshall Carey is an amazing documentary director. I recommend all of his movies. But uh, you should definitely check that out, John. I think that would be right up your alley. I think you'd enjoy it. Beth Barnes ran the Gold Cup. Yep, I know that name. There you go. Cool. Yeah, yeah World Karting Association, WKA. National yeah. Pavement Series. It's a cool movie, man. I, I recommend it to our listeners as well. It's got a little sports angle a little bit. It's a great human they, Was it for, uh, what was it, asphalt oval racing? Yeah, yeah, I believe so, yeah. It's hey, like basically it. little mini NASCARs that do 70. Yep. Crazy. That's cool, man. We're going we're gonna to do a whole episode one day about your, you and your go-karting, I think, because that's very interesting to me. That's cool. No, they picked the Speedway Pavement Series to do that. Yeah, we're going to have a whole diet drive. I'm going to have to watch this, and we're going to have to have Yes, all right, cool. All right, listeners, you check it out. John's going to check it out. We're going to get a review. I can't wait for this. All right, so... I hate to say it, but I guess that's enough about go-karts for today. Let's let's talk some Ole Miss recruiting specifically. Um, got a big show on deck for you. We're breaking down Matt Luke's first recruiting class. Um, he started it off back in December in the early signing period. I think he signed 14 then, something like that. Added another seven today. I might be off by one. It might have been 15 and seven. Um, let's just I, – I think we've done this in years past, John. Um, let's go through the list, kind of talk about each guy individually as much as we can. I, I know a little bit about all these guys, I want to say, from kind of following the last couple of months. Um, maybe not a ton. but uh, And then after that, I kind of want us to, to give our grades on uh, position groups. I sent some earlier in the text message, uh, my, my early reaction. So, um, Everybody, Sanders has been in detail, and I've been at 10,000 feet. So Yeah, that's that's the- fine. 
levels here of fandom. We will provide multiple perspectives. If you're somebody listening to this, it's not into the nuts and bolts of day to day. I'm here for you. Yeah, well, you've always you've always been more of the uh, the big picture, you know, all of sports kind of actually knowing what's going on. Whereas me, I just kind of dive into this old Miss minutia and and just really focus on that. Like you said, so it's varying levels of uh, yeah, I guess fandom is is a fair way to put it. I, I don't well. I don't think you're not a fan, but I wouldn't also call you a, a diehard fan at this point. But you definitely follow you, you follow sports in general. That's what matters. I used to be all over the nuts and bolts. Now right, it's like, sure. Yeah, and now, but I'm I, I'm here. We got this. All right, let's start out with the most controversial recruit. I'd have to say, looking down this list, I don't think anyone else that Ole Miss actually gave. Well, the the first two we're going to talk about are the two most controversial. The first one is Tyler Knight. A two-star out of Pearl, Mississippi. He's listed at 5'7". I'm sold. The next Dexta? The next Dexta. Yeah. Why not, right? So the, 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 a lot of people, the reason they balked at this offer and uh, the reason he's a two-star is because he's listed at 5'7 here on Rivals where I'm looking. I think he might actually be closer to like 5'6.5 or something. Who knows? I don't know. He played DB, uh, returner, a little bit of running back in high school. Uh, obviously... Five six, five seven, playing defense in the SEC, that's that's quite a tall task. Um, you know, even Mike Hilton is is closer on the five nine, five ten uh, side of things. So I I think a lot of people didn't understand how that was going to work out. Still, obviously, there's a ton of question marks there. Um, the positives in his favor, he has this great reputation. A lot of people think he was the quote unquote the best player in the state if, as far as high school football goes. Um, he's well-liked. Apparently he has coattails of the 2019 class. I don't know. We've heard stuff like that before. We'll see how that actually plays out. Um, the, the good of it to me is I think you, you get a four year special teams guy from day one. I mean, I think he's going to play returner next year. I think he's going to bring energy. I, I don't know how he fits into the offense or defensive side of the ball. Although as we will get to this, but, uh, Ole Miss does kind of strike out on running back in this class. Maybe that means Tylen Hill is, is, is going to be playing some running back his first couple of years in Oxford, and maybe that'll be his way to find his way on the field. Obviously, you feel better about a 5'7 scat back than a 5'7 you know, safety or corner or something. So, you know, it, it could work. I don't know. Uh, he is, in all seriousness, the new Carlos Davis. And it's a, I think it's a strategic move to get somebody out of Rankin County, which is traditionally a majority state. Mm-hmm. We got to build the brand, got to get more Mississippi-made kids out of Rankin County. So right, and now we're taking the two-star Mississippi grinder, coaching them up. We're the People's University now. I noticed on the team rankings. Well, let's just jump into there real quick. The yeah. state's twenty-third according to Rivals, mm-hmm. and that Ole Miss is tied for twenty-fifth with Michigan. Oh, yeah, so, Michigan did have a bad day today as well. I forgot about that. Congratulations to Shea Patterson for transferring <laughs> and ending up with a class that is ranked no better than the place you left. On rivals, yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about the 247 composite, too, a little bit different. They actually have Michigan quite a bit higher. But, uh, but no, I mean, just the fact that any recruiting service would have Harbaugh's, what, fourth or fifth recruiting class tied with Matt Luke's first recruiting class. It's hysterical. This is this is a joke. This is a really funny joke. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's Tylen. Underdog story for sure. Could turn out to be a complete waste of a scholarship. Uh, we'll see. But then we also, moving on, we have the next uh, Taylor Polk. Exactly. So that's what I kind of teased, the other controversial recruit in this class, a three-star linebacker out of Nashville, Tennessee. He does have good height at 6'4", 210. Of course, we're talking about uh, the second great white hope, Dawson Knox, his brother. Um, but this is what I don't understand, John. We get this this great tight end prospect, at least that's what we're all told, and he played pretty well last season in Dawson as a walk-on. And so you're telling me his brother is, is enough better that we have to give him a scholarship? I guess so. No, I, I think Tylen and Knox both kind of uh, – benefited from Ole Miss actually even with restrictions having extra scholarships this class um but I don't know he, he could turn out to be good he has good measurables I think he's probably going to play uh you know above above his head as far as as making the right being in the right place you, you mentioned Taylor Polk right that was what people always said about him uh but Taylor Polk wasn't 6-4 so we'll see I don't know it's I'm not really upset about it I mean you need bodies especially if a lot of people think Ole Miss wants to run some more 3-4 so Load up the linebackers. 
Uh, my, in general, Luke signed a top 30 class. He did better than probably anybody would have reasonably thought overall. Probably better than Freeze would have done. Yep. So, I mean, we'll judge him. He, he's yeah. going to get a top 10 class next year. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. But yeah, he's got here to recruit. I'd say overall, I mean, to, today almost sucked on signing day itself. It's what they do. But mm-hmm. I'd say overall, this sign, this uh, this class is yeah. The hay was in the barn for this class, and the next two recruits we're going to talk about are two of the big. You know, you struck out an actual signing day, but the week leading up to signing day, you got a couple of big commitments. Uh, the next four actually are all um, are all commitments that have, have happened since the official visits, and I think they're all going to be good additions. Um, Miles Battle first on the list, kind of a Demarcus Lodge type, a little bit taller at six four, out of Houston, Texas. Good um, yeah, I think this is super solid. You, you legit, we legit took him from Oregon. Um, this is not like an Elijah Moore situation where people are like, oh, maybe they didn't have room for him at Georgia or whatever. Oregon definitely wanted battle. Um, huge, huge coup for Jacob Peeler and Matt Luke. Uh, you, you really needed, like we talked about in previous shows, this recruiting season, you needed wide receivers in this class, considering there's a really good possibility you lose. A.J. Brown, DeMarcus Lodge, and D.K. Metcalf next year, with Metcalf being the only maybe. Um, so picking up battle is huge. Uh, excited to see, you know, what, what some of these wide receivers can do. And having having Matt Corral already signed back in December obviously helps when you're recruiting these guys. So good job on that one. Um, and I, I feel the same way about, about Noah Jefferson, who's next year I want to talk about. Four-star Juco, 6'6", 320-pound, maybe like a nose tackle, defensive tackle type. Um, you know, props to, uh, to Freddie Roach on this one, uh, that this is another one that they, they took directly from Florida. Um, Florida definitely wanted Jefferson. So, uh, it's a big get. I think he's going to be an instant impact. I I think he has two years to play and I expect him to either start next year or be heavily in the rotation. So we shall see. I I got worried about him today, John, because he was he was taking his sweet time sending in his, uh, letter of intent and we kept hearing, Oh, he's about to send it in. Oh, he's about to send it in. Uh, and it just felt like he was here for some other people, but who knows? It got him done in the end. Yep. Um, Hamilton Hall, next on my list here. I think this is in reverse order of when they committed. Just a three-star offensive lineman from Chambly, Georgia. I think he's going to play guard. 6'5", 325. You know, get those big bodies. I'm, I'm happy with this. I think overall they, they did well on the offensive line this year. They They kind of... I don't know if they really thought they were going to get Tank Jenkins out of Montgomery, but I think a lot of fans were hoping for that. That would have made this offensive line class stellar, honestly, um, with Hamilton Hall, Tank Jenkins, and then also you have Jalen Cunningham, who's the defensive tackle that's going to apparently convert to play, uh, I believe, offensive guard. Um, as it stands, you don't really get any tackles in this class. You know, that's what that's what Tank Jenkins was going to play. You just get the two guards and, and Cunningham and Hamilton Hall. So, I don't know. I think I might need to revise my OL ranking. Really, it's just, it's more of like a C to C minus class, but still happy to get Hall. He was he was being pursued by some other uh, SEC programs. So, take it. Um, the next guy on this list, I've heard a, a lot of excitement about from a couple specific people. Uh, is he's another six four linebacker? I think he might end up playing more of the Tony Connor. Husky type role at Ole Miss. Um, it, basically, the the thing that has come up the most about this guy, other than the fact that uh, you know Alabama could have come for him at any time, we were lucky to kind of satch him up, and we did. Especially, you know, I, I would be worried if if he was still in the wind today with Alabama not closing too well, they might have come for him. I think his brother plays on Alabama's team, but uh, he in the Mississippi Alabama All Star game one on one covered Malik Heath most of that game, which is Mississippi State's top in-state signee, wide receiver that they're really high on. Um, anytime that a linebacker is, is covering a an SEC receiver recruit one-on-one, I think that's a pretty good sign. Uh, I think also probably portends uh, that switch to safety that I was talking about. I think, I think Ruggs is going to be a good one. I'm excited about that. Um, another guy that played LB uh, until now, but we're being told might be in that, in that Husky role is Vernon Dasher out of community college. He's a three-star um, kind of bummed to hear he's gonna play Husky, but I guess I guess they need it next year. I was hoping he could be kind of an instant impact guy at linebacker. I have complete faith that Crime Dog will be moving pieces around back there because mm-hmm. I don't know if Crime Dog really knows how to differentiate who plays what in the secondary. Yeah, I'm, well, yeah, I'm not sure. 
and we need to talk about we need to talk about Crime Dog at some point. But uh, that's that's pretty much the the new guys. Crime Crime Dog feels like fake news. Yeah, I I think so, right? Because so Crime Dog was hired for his recruiting prowess, right? Sign Laquan Treadwell. That's about it. And he had the elephant hunter quote. I mean, that's basically what got. That's true. That's what made the fan base love him. Uh, and so now he's been defensive coordinator, and defense sucked last year. Defense and we watched recru- him take yeah. three games to figure out how to use Marquis, yeah. yeah, which was stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this this cycle, we're we're hoping to get him to sign Cam Jones, four star safety out of Texas. He goes to Nebraska. Um, I don't. I'm trying to think who else he was even really after. I mean, you know, you just you don't get any defensive player uh, ranked above three stars, I believe. Bill right? Longo got Matt Corral. Uh, no, uh, Jefferson. I th- yeah. yeah, I think I think Freddie Roach, Jacob Peeler, and maybe Phil Longo are three of the best recruiters on the staff right now. I would agree. Damn sure ain't Mo Harris. Dan- Derek sure, Nix. Derek Nix. No way. I mean, they couldn't. They could. This. Derek Nix could not sign a running back if his life depended on it. I mean, every year it's just miss after miss. I mean, they give him a hundred thousand dollar budget and he'd fuck it up. I mean, it's mm-hmm. ridiculous. And they didn't. They didn't offer the uh, the kid from Memphis that's ended up going to Tennessee now. That, that would have been good. Um, what's his name? Uh, Shout out to Table Cobbleson for pointing out if you need a plan B, go get Norvell's kids because yeah. Norvell. That should be that should legitimately be the strategy. I think it's a good, yeah. I think it's a good idea. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I'm not a fan of the way Derek Nix recruits. Um, I, I'm actually pretty happy with with linebackers. So, I already already mentioned um, Luke Knox, obviously Cavante Ruggs, Vernon Dasher. Uh, then you go back to the early signing period. Jaquez Jones, um, pretty pretty decent linebacker hall and then you got this new guy Summerall, the linebackers coach who apparently has this reputation for being a very sound technical coach uh coaching up guys so i don't know i have the the mildest of of optimism um towards that linebacker core right now we'll see i mean they don't they don't have much room to fall so they can only go up from here do they hire a 10th assistant yet um i thought i they, thought, I thought they did but then you reminded me of Pavito left yeah, Pavito left. Yeah, uh, I thought they did. I can try to figure it out. What are you saying? Um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did. They did. Charles Clark. Charles Clark. Remember? Oh yeah, Chuck Clark. That's right. Yeah, and then uh, and now Crime Dog's just kind of gonna float around and coordinate or whatever. So, I think Crime Dog stealing a million, million dollars. I'm just gonna go. <laughs> well, they don't call him Crime Dog for nothing. But I guess yeah. I guess hold on. I don't want to sound ignorant. I think Crime Dog is a reference to like a mascot that fights crime. So. That well, that doesn't really work. My joke does not work. I, I apologize, listeners. Um, he needs a cape. What'd you say? He needs a cape. He's a superhero. <laughs> yeah. Huh? Alright, so let's so since we talked about the guys that signed today and we, we've ostensibly discussed the early signees before, uh, we can revisit them position group by position group. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try to grade and I know you haven't been following it too closely, John, but just give me what you feel from looking at it today. I'm, wait, I'm, wait, wait. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'm going to go ahead. Sorry. All right, I'm going to give the QB recruit an A because two months ago, uh, Matt Corral was not considering Ole Miss. Um, Longo identified him. Longo or someone at Ole Miss identified that Mullen wasn't super amped up about signing him. He doesn't fit Mullen's system. Um, he had already been cut from USC the year before, so he was going to be looking for a place to land. They went on him. They recruited him. Um, and Whatever you want to say about you know, the other places he could have gone is as a ton of arm talent. I, I think he should get good coaching in Oxford. Um, I think it's, I think it's an A, especially for, for where Ole Miss was with QBs three months ago. So I'll give him that. A plus. A plus baby. Ne- next Chad, hopefully. Chad Kelly light. I love that. He's got, he's got, he's got an attitude. Um, Heck long yeah. ago went and got, went and got the guy like you talked about. Mm-hmm. And you know, they went and did it. I did it. Um, so let's let's uh, go the exact opposite of that optimistic direction. We're going to talk about the running back signees. Charles Strong uh, gone to Texas A and M at the last minute. Rumor has it that uh, and this 
if true is maybe one of the worst recruiting blunders we've heard about so far in the Matt Luke era, but I don't, you know, it's, it's hard to really know um, the full details of this stuff because college football is such a cesspool, but you know, supposedly Matt Luke decided to stop pursuing him last night, Tuesday night when he wouldn't fully commit something like that. I mean, I think read between the lines on that one. There was probably um, some aspects of it that Ole Miss and his current situation uh, on probation, afraid of getting hit with repeat offender status. You know, maybe you have to take extra precautions that uh, in, a, in a year where you're trying to truly compete in recruiting, you wouldn't have to take. So I don't know. That's just my inference. I have no idea. He was considered a, a Ole Miss lock almost uh, up until this morning. Uh, even into the afternoon, he was being crystal balled to Ole Miss. He's not in the class. Matt Luke says they're done signing. So I think we have to assume this class is only going to feature – Juco three-star running back Scotty Phillips, uh, and then two-star Tylen Knight potentially as a scat back, but who was signed as an athlete. Uh, a little bit more news, not really the class, so this won't affect the ranking, but just as an aside, uh, supposedly Armani Linton is going to be playing running back, hasn't made a huge impact in the safety room. Uh, he did play running back in high school, but not at like any type of a competitive level. He, I think his high school was like 1A or something. So... Um, I guess I guess that's one way they're coping with the class, but so we're giving QBs an A. I'm typing this out now, an A plus. Running backs, I I give it a D. I don't know about you. I think Scotty Phillips will be fine next year. Probably not great. I think he's pretty much gonna replace Jordan Wilkins as far as the offense goes, and you're gonna have an injured Swinney and Penniman as the next guys up. So looking pretty thin and pretty scary in the running back room. Coming at it from 10,000 feet, the most shocking thing in this class is they didn't get two running backs. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's inexcusable. Mm-hmm. And, D-. And D-. D-. And they and they had done such a good job earlier in the class of having backup plans, and I can hug up on guys. I'm a little surprised they didn't have anybody to back up uh, Charles Strong. Yeah. They didn't get anybody here is beyond me. The only reason I don't give them an F because I think – for whatever reason, I think Scotty Phillips is going to be a serviceable player. Me too. I don't, I'm not. I'm not positive why I do, but I think he's going to be okay. I, I think. But at the same time, if he goes down, you got a whole bunch of random dudes behind him. I mean, I like Swinney and Penniman. They didn't show a ton before their injuries, and and since I don't know, I, I'm not feeling great about it. Um, offensive line, as we discussed, only signed two. Uh, one played on the DL in high school, but is going to be a guard. The other is a three-star guard. I mean, it's a solid C. If they, if they got Tank Jenkins, it's a nice it's a nice B uh, B plus. But they whiffed. He went to A and M again. Reading between the lines, I'm not sure Ole Miss was in the position to compete head to head with Texas A and M for a lot of these recruits this cycle. Take it for, yep. take it for what it is. Agree. I guess see. Okay. Um, wide receivers, a lot like quarterback. I'm I'm giving it an A. It's a tough it's a tough situation, but. You've created this reputation as wide receiver you and now nasty wideouts or whatever the, the Peeler branding is um, from this past season. Apparently, it works with the kids. Um, kudos to Jacob Peeler. I think a lot of people thought he was going to be a good recruiter. This class has solidified it. Um, they, they hold on to Demarcus Gregory, who was the first commit in the class. Uh, could have could have gone to, uh, I think, Mississippi State. A couple other schools got on him late in the SEC um, stuck through freeze being fired, Matt Luke and all of that. Um, we'll, it's yet to be seen how good he's going to be tore his knee up senior year, but at the same time, um, he was really good before that. So hoping for a, a good recovery for him. Uh, and then you get Elijah Moore in the early signing period who's a, is a legit four star that, you know, whether Georgia cut him or not, as we'll talk about later in the show, Georgia's class is beyond stacked. We're talking about like seven, five stars, uh, and on and on. So, I mean, I don't think getting cut by Georgia is anything close to an indictment of your talent. I think he's still going to be good in the SEC. He's a slot guy. Um, and then getting battled late in the cycle, like I said, beating out Oregon for him. He's going to be an outside guy. He's 6'4". He's, he's, he could potentially, you know, be, be one of your stars on the AJ or DK Metcalf levels. Um, so, I, I, I give it an A. I think it's a B plus. Okay. Could, could they have gotten an A just by signing Tommy Bush or another wide receiver, or do they need better quality? Need a top 100 player to have an A ranking, in my mind. Okay. Okay. I think they got three solid players. I yeah. I mean, they could have a – I can't remember. I, could, I can't remember. I'm talking about where A.J. Brown was ranked 
uh, two years ago. I don't think AJ either. and DK were both in the top twenty-five. They were both right outside five star. Right. Like, I mean, DK was down the order of five star. They were that, the that, top two non-five stars. I want to say these guys aren't ranked quite that high, but they're still solid. No, you're right. You're right. It's it's not necessarily a comparison, but at the same time, again, we need bodies. Um, hope you can coach these guys up. And I mean, the the downside to Peeler, from what I've heard, is uh, great recruiter, but he's still learning the technical parts of coaching wide receivers. He he played offensive line, um, so it's not necessarily a slam dunk. These guys will be developed into five stars, but you know, hope for the best. You still you still signed. Three guys when a lot of people thought, well, you signed one guy in the late signing period, two good guys earlier than that, but a lot of people thought they were going to strike out on uh, all four of Marquez Ezard, Tommy Bush, Miles Battle, and uh, Michael Ezekiel. So to be able to lock down Battle, and then from reports is that, that Ole Miss parted ways with Ezekiel. So to be able to lock down Battle when it was possible that you would get none of those guys um, is a win. And, and like I said, I mean, yeah, Oregon has a new coach too, but Oregon is also Nikeville. It has this awesome, you know, cool factor. And, uh, they don't have a bull band next year. You know, they don't have other programs telling you that they're not going to be able to, or they're going to get popped again with sanctions or whatever the negative recruiting thing against Ole Miss is right now. So I consider it a big win to get them out of there. Um, defensive line. We're talking about a whole lot of defensive tackles and some other dudes as well. Um, James Williams was a three-star from Callaway that flipped Ole Miss in the early signing period. Already talked about Noah Jefferson. Mentioned Jalen Cunningham, who was a four-star DT, but like I said, he's going to play guard, I believe. Hal Northern's a three-star DT. Katie Hill's a three-star DT. Uh, he's from Alabama. Um, and again, if you're looking at all of these these DTs, they signed Quentin Bivens is, is, is a three-star defensive tackle. So it, that's kind of that that idea that maybe Ole Miss is trying to play some three four in the future. I think signing all these tackles uh, kind of kind of lends itself to that theory. Uh, and then you also have Jonathan Hess, who is a uh, like a six foot five. Um, he's listed as a safety, but I think they expect him to to add uh, you know thirty pounds from his two twenty two is at right now and play defensive end, uh, which is good because they didn't get any ends in this class. Um, but they do have some guys uh, from other classes like Charles Wiley. Uh, Marco Winter has a, has one season left. Um, I think I have to give this. Ooh, it's this is a tough one between C plus and B minus. I'm gonna give it a B minus for getting bodies, um, but it's kind of a C plus C level of of the the aggregate talent other than Jefferson. Um, still would have liked to get another end or two for sure. It's in the C plus B minus. It's a C plus. Got it. All right. Uh, we've talked about linebackers. I, I listed them off earlier, but just to recap, we're talking about uh, Luke Knox, Cavante Ruggs, Vernon Dasher, Jacquez Jones. Um, I'm, I'm going to give it a C, but honestly, I think there's a lot of potential in this group. I, I think if Summerall truly is this great uh, developer of linebacker talent, I think he should be able to get a lot out of this because I, I think there's a lot of sleepers in this. Not sleepers necessarily, but like Luke Knox, for instance. I, I really do think he could be good, better than Taylor Polk for sure, um, if if he develops right, if he gets the right coaching. Um, but we'll see. I have no idea what his speed is like, but he has a good size. Um, and then I, I've heard that Jack West Jones could, could help us as early as next year, so we'll see about that. We'll see who reported it. Spirit, because you they all these I'm kids sure. don't help. I'm not sure, honestly. At this point, it's such a mash of stuff I've read or heard. Why and in? What did you say? Why and in? Did, did yeah, yeah. yeah, Why and in? I heard uh, had a had a rough day today. Uh, a lot of his predictions not not turning out so hot. I think he predicted uh, Tommy Bush definitely, Charles Strong, all of that as recently as today. Um, obviously a lot of people were predicting tank Jenkins, but from what I've heard, it was always fluid with him. Uh, is what's funny is we do sign, uh, a few of his teammates, maybe in pursuit of him. We got Ja'Cory Hawkins, uh, the cornerback, uh, Kevontae Ruggs, who I said is, I think a good pickup in and of itself. So, uh, no hate on Ruggs. I don't think he was simply trying to get Jenkins necessarily, but, uh, we're about to get to, uh, give your, would you give your grade for the linebackers? C plus. Okay. Um, we're about to get into the the Jacory Hawkins. Let's do 
Should we just do DB as one group instead of breaking them out? Let's do yeah. that. All right. So there's a lot of there's a lot of DBs on this list. Um, as I mentioned, Tyler Knight played D back in college. We're not going to consider that. We included him with the uh, with the running backs. Um, Cameron Wright, Cameron White, excuse me, from my alma mater, Madison Central High School, Madison, Mississippi. Uh, great school, but apparently White is a potential grade risk. Might end up at JUCO. So kind of disappointed. And uh, my, my former counselors, who actually were pretty incompetent. So it's not that surprising. But also just Madison Central as a whole, you know, you got to get it together, guys. Um, get this guy qualified. He's a three-star uh, you know, maybe decent depth. We'll see. Uh, somebody that a lot of people are saying is um, the steal of the class is this guy, Keydron Smith, the three-star out of West Palm Beach, Florida. Um, I don't know. I mean, I like I like what I hear about him. He could he could apparently have an impact again as early as next year uh, in the in that safety room. Um, I think he's a safety, not a cornerback. But we'll we'll see as time goes on. We'll learn more about him. Uh, DeCorey Hawkins, I mentioned, five foot eleven corner. Three star from Montgomery, um, Johnny jo- Jonathan, not Johnny. I guess actually not that many, uh, not that many DBs on this list. I got ahead of myself saying that, but Hess is listed as a DB. I think he's more of a DE. So let's just consider Jacory Hawkins, Keedron Smith, and Cam White as our DB signees. Uh, it's between a C and a C minus. I mean, it's pretty it's underwhelming. Minus because they missed on Cam Jones. Crime yeah, dog. It's, it's pretty <laughs> underwhelming. Um, I think we'll both give it a C minus here. How do you feel about uh, who are these Madison Central guys? Truett Bourne and Lawson Stockett. I mean, got preferred walk-ons from your alma mater. You I didn't hear about about, uh, about Lawson Stockett, but yeah, Truett Bourne, sure, why not? I'm reading, I'm reading the Yancey News Network right now. There you go. Quite- there you go. All right, let me see. Let me look up Truett Bourne on uh, on some recruiting services here. A 5'11", 203-pound. Go ahead. Theory here. Jimbo Fisher's pissed off he didn't get the old Miss job following Cutcliffe getting fired. So he's taking it out on us? He's taking I mean, he has kicked our ass with uh, I, I think he's an opportunist as well. I think he sees an opportunity and he, he smells blood and he goes after it. Uh, but I mean, yeah, he kicked our ass on Cam Akers, but uh, Freeze kicked his ass on DJ Jones and Markel Pack. So, I mean, it goes a little bit both ways in at Florida State. Yeah, Markel Pack, that, that really made a hell of a difference. Well, he wanted him, but uh, I, I'm i not ready to say at Texas A&M he's taken anything out on Ole Miss just yet just because I think we're super vulnerable. Uh, I, it's a combination of things. One, you have Jimbo Fisher, who's a coach that uh, – operates really well in uh, a situation like signing day, if that makes sense. He he knows how to get stuff done, maybe outside of the uh, – What did you say? He knows how to sell that used car. Exactly. He knows how to get things done at the last minute in recruiting. Take that for whatever you want to take it as. But uh, and I also think he knows that in the current position, uh, Ole Miss can't really – you know, compete down the stretch with those uh, late illegal benefits. So that to me is, is why you saw Jimbo come for so many potential old Mr. Recruits here. And I mean, Charles strong was committed to Jimbo at Florida state years ago. They obviously have a relationship who knows about tank Jenkins. I have no idea. Um, but yeah, Jimbo's doing Glenn well there. What'd you say? Glenn Beal went to A&M. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other one I was forgetting. I knew there was another old Miss target that ended up there. Um, and I think Glenn Beal, Ole Miss took like one of his teammates as a, as a preferred walk on today. So, you know, I guess thanks for that, Glenn. I mean, I, I say take anybody as a, as a PWO. I don't really care. Right. I mean, they're not, they're not using a scholarship. Network. Isaiah Willard is going to be the steal of the class. According to the IPF, he's going to make a tremendous impact. But he was in, wasn't he in last year's class? Yeah, he didn't, they didn't, they said wait a year. Oh, they scholarship. countered him for, okay. As a gray shirt or something. And then Josh Johnson out of Cohoe is preferred to walk on. He's going to make a tremendous impact. I heard that that was fake news, and he actually has to try out. He's not a PWO, but we'll see. That's funny. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, so, yeah, that's the class. Uh, just real quick, running back to our rankings. QB, I'm A, you're A+. Plus. Running back, D-, minus, D-, minus. offensive line, C, C, Wide receiver A B plus defensive line B C plus linebacker C C plus uh, defensive back C minus C minus. Um, so I'm gonna do a little quick average in my head. Yeah, it's about it's about a C C plus class. But it for what I mean it 
could have easily been a D a D class. Yep. Oh, totally. So let's let's be generous since it's Matt Luke's first year under sanctions. Give him the C plus. And the, what you got to know about this class is a year from now, this class will either look like it perfectly did its job. It's a bridge class wherein you got wide receiver depth and you got your quarterback of the future. Very important. Uh, this is assuming Ole Miss has a big 2019 class. Gets a lot of the in-state talent that's so good. Um, you know, finishes in the top 15, something like that. In that case, I think you can look at this class and feel good about it and say, uh, yeah, they, they filled some needs there. And like I said, I really think going into recruiting 2019, being able to say we have the quarterback for the next four years, it's a real positive, especially in a in an overall pretty mediocre class to get some big positions like that. So either it's going to be a great bridge class or it's going to be the first in a long line of underwhelming classes that lead to Matt Luke getting fired is, is my takeaway. And I think a lot of people probably agree with that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, easy. Easy, easy. So we talk about the team rankings, John. Yeah, let's have some fun with this. Yeah, we had some. We talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago. So things are probably mostly the same as they were then. But it's it's final now. I mentioned Georgia just murdering the game. Seven five stars. The next best team has four in USC. Uh, oh, Clemson has five. Excuse me. Clemson is number six with seventeen commits. Five five stars. That's pretty good. But uh, Georgia has 26 in their class, seven five-stars. I'm using the 247 composite for this. So, um, 15 four-stars. 15 four-stars, John. How many classes at Ole Miss do you have to combine to get 15 four-stars? They're committed to winning now. Yeah, they're playing They're playing to win. Um, Ohio State in second place. They don't have the same gaudy number of five-stars, but they have 20 four-stars. So that's like easily five Ole Miss classes of four stars. Um, Texas is uh, maybe the most surprising uh, entrant in the top five at number three. Is nah, that... I think Harmon gets them fixed. I really do. I, I, yeah, I mean, you're right that it's not surprising if you said when you hired Tom Herman this was going to be the outcome in 2018. Like, this is what Texas fans definitely expected. But still, I mean, you got to do it to do it. So. Getting getting back into the top of recruiting, finishing number three, huge win for Herman. Um, see how much he can translate that onto the field. Probably probably well. Um, USC at number four. Uh, I don't really, I don't really have any comment about USC. Um, I mean, they have the highest. I'm looking at rivals. They have the highest average. Yeah, they, they do on the composite too. Almost very close. They have the five five stars and thirteen four stars. Pretty good. Pretty good they, class. They actually, they, they don't have anybody committed below a four star. <laughs> On uh, two four seven, they have one three star, but that's it. That's um, pretty. Good. That's pretty good. That's it's pretty good hit rate. Uh, Penn State's at number five. Clemson at number six. Alabama at number seven on the composite. Where are they on rivals? There's seven as well. Interesting. So I I wonder how far back you have to go to uh to see Alabama that far down. I, I Saban has pretty consistently been number one, at least in my recent memory of following recruiting. Yep. What are and we attributing this to? It's Georgia, right? It's all about Kirby. The Georgia factor. If Georgia's on all cylinders, they're going to get the kids out of Atlanta, and that's the ultimate talent stock. Yeah. Pop True. Also, Georgia is like a shiny new Alabama, right? He can pitch a lot of the same things, but say, oh, you know, you don't want to pay, play for grumpy old Saban. Come play for me, cool Kirby. Yeah. And, you know, you can either have connections to the more business world in Tuscaloosa slash Birmingham, or you can have Atlanta. Ooh, and yeah, that's a good pitch. Atlanta's a substantially better pitch in that point. And you can, and the thing is, is you can be part of getting Georgia over the hump versus you're just another dude at Alabama. Right. That's a great point. That's a great point. Georgia team that wins the title are going to be, I mean, look at the way they revere Herschel Walker and the 1980 dogs, you know? I mean, this, that, whoever Georgia wins the title will be, be revered the same way. Yeah. You're right. I mean, I would, if, if I was a top flight recruit, I would definitely consider Georgia. Like it seems like the hot program at the time, at the moment. Um, another like program that I might consider number eight, Miami with Mark Richt. Uh, that's a great class for him after a great season. Um, yep. maybe he's really going to do something there would be hilarious. I would, I would love for, uh, for him to beat Georgia in a, in a big bowl game someday. Be really funny. Yeah. They're sixth on arrival. So good. wow. Great, great class for Mark Richt. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma at number nine. Interesting. So number nine on rivals is Florida State, and I'm gonna. Where are they at on? Where's Florida 11, State? On? Number eleven. 
So I think the quiet winner of signing day is Willie Taggart. Yeah. I mean, that's a great, that's a great class for a late addition. Yep. The Taggart is going to make Mullen's life really difficult. I think. I mean, Rick and Taggart are are recruiting the Mullen. Yeah. I mean, it's easier to go into someone's living room and get them. I'd say for those two than it is for Mullen. Yep. Uh, but Mullins is still his his Gators number fourteen here on the composite. Uh, skipped over Auburn at number twelve. Um, Neil McMillan's Huskies at number thirteen. So yeah, Dan Mullins first class he gets four or sorry twelve four stars, seven three stars, no five stars. Um, what do we think about this? I mean, it's tough to to come over in December or late November and put a whole class together. And fourteen is not bad. But what do we think about this? I think Dan Mullen can go eight and four, can go nine and three consistently at Florida. But does that get uh, him? But does that get him fired? I don't think he's the top of the East. I think Georgia is clearly a step better. Yes. I think they're going to be, and I think they're going to be more or less along the same lines as South Carolina. And I, and I don't think that's going to fly with the Florida fans. More talented, they'll be ahead of Tennessee. Hmm. I guess they're the number two team in the East, but there's a gap. Yeah. Oh, there's a yeah. There's definitely a gap. There's a big gap. Um, it just it just seems like uh, they want they want to go to the playoffs, Florida fans, because they fired McIlwain for winning the SEC. <laughs> so I think, yep. I, I think they you can't say they don't have loftier expectations than that. And what's funny is if part of why they fired McIlwain was his personality, I think they're in for a rude awakening with uh with Mullen. He's Kind of a prickly guy. He's, he's not really like the feel-good uh, Hugh Freeze type when it comes to fan base. So it should be interesting to watch all of that unfold. Uh, Eddie O at number 15 in the composite falling Florida. And I could be – I guys, saying all this, I could have this totally backwards. I could be looking at the 247 rankings. And, no, it's okay, it says powered by the composite. So I think we're good. I think I'm using the composite rankings here. Um what do we think about this LSU class? On on, on two four seven, they're listed as one five star, twelve four stars, nine three stars, solid, right? But yet still, we hear how things are getting away from Orgeron and Baton Rouge. I I hear his days are numbered. Uh, I don't really know what to make of his program right now. I mean, my bet would be they they part ways at the end of the year. So what but, is that? Three full seasons as actual. Head coach, I mean, he goes and wins nine. If he goes nine and three again, I think he gets another year. Yeah, I mean, they fired less eventually, but they let him. They let him win like that for a long time. I doubt they would fire him at nine and three after how recently they've been mediocre. Yeah. Um, Sandoval, that's the Oregon guy, right? Or Cristobal, Mario Cristobal, that's his name. Yeah. Yep. Uh, number sixteen, good class. Eleven four stars, eleven three stars. No Miles Battle though. That's all that matters to me. Uh, our, our good friend Jimbo at number seventeen. Uh, good, good class. I don't know what they were ranked before someone got fired, but still, a good, good class, good start. Uh, my boss thinks that Jimbo is gonna is gonna challenge Saban. I'm not sure, uh, but I think he is right. My boss, that is, in saying that Texas A&M being strong is going to weaken LSU and Arkansas from a recruiting perspective. We'll see. I mean, Ole Miss has kind of developed a little bit of a Texas footprint as well, so we could also be on the. Uh, the receiving end of that. But I mean, what are your, what are your early thoughts about Jimbo at A&M and how successful that could possibly be? I think Jimbo will recruit talent there, but I think they'll find a way to not win. I just, yeah. yeah. They're weird. They're a weird bunch. The other thing too, is all the guys that Jimbo got were kind of the like schools in the top 20, in the 20 to 25 range. Mm -hmm. Um, that he went and got a kid, you know, that was kind of, you know, Glenn Beal was kind of the second option on a lot of people's boards mm-hmm. and he just went in and got him. I mean, didn't he, ever. didn't, uh, didn't Jimbo take that? Well, it's the same with, uh, with Tank Jenkins ended up at A&M. I mean, Ole Miss was never his first choice. He was kind of waiting for a better spot and just didn't really have a great landing spot. Um, didn't Jimbo take this job potentially? Was it after the early signing period or am I way off on that? No, he took it, uh, Champion conference championship weekend. Uh, so that's 
So when does that sync up with uh, the early signing period? Was that like a week or two? Yeah, minutes? before he had a, he had an extra. Yeah, he had a, he had a few weeks before early signing period. He had a couple, I think. Yeah. yeah. So this is this is totally his class. Um, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. They'll they'll probably be fine, but but we'll see. I had something else I wanted to say about it, but I slipped my mind. I guess. Um, I don't know. Exciting times for uh for Aggie fans for sure. I think they're pumped about this one. Um, moving along, Chip Kelly, number 18, uh, 10, four stars, 18, three stars. Um, fine, I guess. I mean, USC kicked your ass, bro. Uh, South Carolina at number 19. That's a good class for Muschamp. Um, he's, he's, he's on his way to challenge, uh, four different second in the East, I think for sure. Um, First class for Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee comes up at twentieth. I mean that's that's a decent start. Loaded with three stars, fourteen three stars, eight four stars. Yeah. I, I I heard some people saying that maybe uh, he this is a class that he's gonna do better in than his future classes just because he still has all of his guys he recruited while he was at Alabama as defensive coordinator. He's still coming off of that national championship you can point to all that stuff so i think he might have to win there at tennessee for future classes but for now he struck while the iron was hot uh michigan's at 21 they're quite a bit lower on rivals is that right you said they're tied with Ole miss right yeah they're 25th on rivals okay so interesting i don't think it was a good day for uh for harbaugh um yeah i just think that's funny i mean like just the 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 cockiness of your average michigan fan and it's just like, what is what does it correlate to? Like, what it what results are you cocky about? It's not clear, but it's funny, that's for sure. Um, Nebraska, Frost, uh, Scott Frost's first class at twenty two, North Carolina at twenty three, Virginia Tech twenty four, TCU twenty five, NC State twenty six. That's still Doran, right? They didn't fire him, right? Correct. So interesting. That's you know maybe that's indication of what Ole Miss could have had if they'd hired Doran. No, I'm just kidding. I think. Probably would have been worse if they had hired anybody but Luke. Partially because you would have also lost, you know, AJ Brown, Greg Little, maybe Javon Patterson, some other guys like that if you hadn't hired Luke. So, um, kind of a double recruitment going on there. On the composite coming up, we got uh, number twenty-seven, Mississippi State. Um, honestly, very solid job for Moorhead. Again, a lot of the hay was in the barn for this class, but he finished with some, I think, some decent talent uh beat arkansas for a defensive back i think um i'm not sure who else he really added but still 27th is good for uh for a yankee coming in to replace a different yankee that had been there for a while um 28 maryland 29 louisville 30 baylor and 31 old miss and i'm just gonna i'm gonna throw out some notables that are lower we're not gonna have to spend any time on them Michigan State's 32, Oklahoma State 33. Herm Edwards uh, got up to 36. There was some panic earlier at Arizona State that uh, I think they were like in the 70s this morning. So he he was able to close a little bit with 19 three-stars. Some SEC schools, Kentucky's at 37, Vandy at 41, Mizzou at 42. Um, I'm just building up to the great great reveal here. Let me load more after 50 so that we can see – our good buddy Chad Morris's class at number 54, the Arkansas Razorbacks, two four stars, 14 three stars. Uh, not a great, not a great start there. Um, doesn't really make me wish we had hired him or anything like that. Um, I don't know. Maybe his recruiting will get better with time, right? I mean, it was a, it was abbreviated recruitment period for him. Hey, Sean, too, he loves him. Yeah, that's enough. Uh, Cutcliffe at 61 and Duke. Um, we're getting into kind of the basement dwellers now. 63 Virginia, 64 Kansas. I don't really see anybody too much more notable left. 68 Kansas State, 72 UCF. Uh, Texas Tech at 74. Uh, notable because Ole Miss does play them in the first game of the season next year in Houston. So, you know. Kingsbury is at 74? 74. It's, it's, you know, he played there. He's popular there. But still, you have to wonder how much longer they just kind of let that go on because – I'm not seeing a ton of improvement. If he didn't beat Texas at the end of the year, they would have fired him. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, my problem with it is he had the amazing quarterback in Patrick Mahomes, and they did fine, but they only ever won like eight or nine games. And now Mahomes is gone. You know, he's going to be uh, starting quarterback for the Chiefs. They got rid of Alex Smith. 
So excited to watch him in the NFL, but I just I, I don't know where Cliff goes from this. We got Memphis all the way down to 86. Interestingly, John, FAU is at 85. I kind of expected them to recruit better than that. Yeah, me too. It's interesting. It's, interesting. it's kind of strange, actually, because they got the Kiffin factor. They had a great season. Um, I don't know. It's just it's hard to be a mid major, I guess. So that pretty much that's pretty much the team rankings there. I went through them. Is there anything jump out of the rivals ones? I mean, I know they're fairly similar. Nah, it's similar story. Yeah, so that's recruiting. Um, signing day twenty eighteen in the books. Now we get to track for the next several years and see you know who actually had the, a good class. Let's uh let's not talk about basketball. It's in the shitter. Uh, Andy Kennedy probably going to get fired after this season. Um, unless apathy just reaches even greater levels and somehow they just let him hang around for no reason. Um, I mean, and I say that as a, as an AK defender, it's just, it's been a, it's been a bad season. I think AK himself after this Missouri loss last night said, uh, the product is not up to expectations. That's my fault. Blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, thanks for being honest, but I don't think it's going to necessarily help. Um, so let's do talk about the Super Bowl. Which happened uh, since we last recorded on Sunday. I know when the Super Bowl is now. I'm sure you guys are happy to hear that. Um, Your your beloved, I know you've been a fan your whole life, John, Patriots, not able to pull it out um, despite the fact that Tom Brady had the ball with, what, like two and a half minutes left before that fumble. You know, everybody was saying, oh, here we go. It's Tom Brady time. He's about to win another Super Bowl in the last uh, three minutes. Um, Doesn't turn out that way. I watched a good bit of the game off and on, not not super locked in uh, to the Super Bowl this year. I thought the commercials were pretty boring, pretty lame. Uh, I wasn't at a party or anything. Uh, I, I will say the uh, the missed kicks were fun, and the trick play right before halftime from the Eagles was just, just beautiful. I mean, that that to me goes down in the pantheon of, of trick plays. I, I'd, I'd put it in the top five. Executed flawlessly. Um, what did you think about this game? It was, it was a really entertaining game. Even though there wasn't a whole lot of defense in a lot of respects. It there was the most, most offensive Super Bowl ever, right? Tons of yards. Most yards ever in an NFL game, period. Oh, man, that's fun. I like that. One punt. <laughs> One punt. That's crazy, man. Patriots I, I, lost a game in which they didn't punt. It's pretty crazy. That sounds like uh, sounds like Ole Miss last year. Yeah. Um. Former guest on the pod, John Malone, was up here this weekend. Nice. Uh, Malone decided we, we got a uh, black box of wine. Nice. Case Tasty. Malone had about three-fourths of it because <laughs> I had to work Monday and he didn't. So Malone was blacked out about halftime. We didn't – I only listened to the TV audio during Pink's Anthem – the halftime show and the last five minutes of the game, we were we had we muted it played music. Nice, that's frat. That's frat AF. Because the only there was really no commercial worth audio except for the Eli Odell, which you just go on Twitter and watch it. I mean, it, it was it was great though. That's that was really fun. That was one of the only commercials that I enjoyed. Six of those commercials each Super Bowl. Now, I mean, there was that was one decent commercial. The rest was like, what the hell. Uh, yeah. And also, I missed uh, the MLK voiceover of the Dodge commercial, which I appreciate missing that. So, yeah, dear God, we're good there. Anyway, Malone blackout about halftime, and he—I had put like six songs in queue. Malone just takes the phone, override my phone, overrides it, and then plays stuff that we had listened to 15 minutes ago. Is too drunk to realize it. Yeah, that sounds familiar. But anyway, getting to the point is that the the whole second half. He's just going. You can't count out touchdown, Tom. Like, uh, <laughs> was he was he actually cheering for the Patriots? Or was he just trolling? No, Malone. People know Malone. He he grew up in Dedham, in part in Dedham, a Boston suburb. But he's not a Patriots fan. Got it. So he's a Patsy. He goes, you can't count out touchdown, Tom. You know how dare kind of in, a, in the in a very Boston very self righteous. Like you cannot say anything about Tom Brady. You know, of course, of course. Touchdown, Tom. So, so uh, how was how was the Tom Brady kissing his son received in Boston? I'll be frank, I missed this. What, what was this? Oh, I really? Think. Wait, you haven't heard anything about it? No, it was it was in a documentary that I came out. I'm just blanking right now. Uh, it, it was a big um, internet, I guess, 
uh, talking point for the week leading up to the Super Bowl. This documentary came out. Brady's getting a massage from his trainer. His like 10-year-old son comes in, asks if he can check his fantasy team, and Brady's like, yeah, you know the price. Uh, you, you give him a kiss. It's fine. It, whatever. It's just weird parenting. You know, I'm not going to criticize. Honestly, I don't think it's, hey, it's, it's, it's love pliability. Okay. Exactly. But, but no. Uh, and so that happens and the trainer makes a joke like, Oh, come on. That was a, that was just a peck. You can't count that. Uh, and then, uh, and so he comes back and they have like a much longer kiss, like, like three, you know, two and a half, three seconds. I think that's what people were freaking out about. I, Again, I don't really see anything there. I think it's just different parenting styles. Um, but it did lead to what I thought was the best tweet of Sunday night, which was right after uh, Brady fumbled the ball and the Patriots lost. Uh, someone just said uh, Tom Brady is going to get curved by his son later tonight, which is hilarious. Um, internet slang for being, uh, you know, like turned down in a romantic way. It was pretty, it was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so that's the Tom Brady kissing story. I wonder if it's nothing more than a lot of Latin American cultures. You do kind of the cheek to cheek. Now this was, this was on the lips. So this is a little different. It's on the lips. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe, I mean, cause Latin America culture, Spanish culture, you go up, you do like the kind of the sure. side of the cheek, side of the cheek thing. Sure. Is a greeting. He's married to Giselle. I mean, Brady lives and thinks in a different I again, I see, I see yeah. nothing there. I I think it was a funny he controversy. Just Americanized the passion for greeting people that uh, yeah, Latinos have. I don't know. Absolutely, I, who cares? I think like, it was funny. I agree. Who cares? And out touchdown, Tom Sanders. I think it was funny because both sides of it, whether or not you think it's some weird indicative of something deeper, obviously it's not like it's not like Tom Brady is you know whatever. I'm not even gonna go there. But uh, or anyone that vehemently defends it, acting like it's not weird at all, I think it just broke very clearly on the lines of who loves Tom Brady, who hates Tom Brady. So, I mean that that was the funny part of it to me, just seeing the proxy war kind of staked out between the Brady haters and the Brady defenders over something as you know seemingly innocuous as kissing his son. Um, it was a good time. It was good. It was good pod fodder, even though we didn't talk about it for Super Bowl. But it was good. Uh, material for uh, the cable channels and the websites and all leading up to the Super Bowl. So there you go. And maybe the controversy uh, got in his head a little bit. You know, maybe made him choke in that game. Who knows? He didn't. He didn't. He also didn't really choke. I mean, the the strip the strip fumble late in the game. You, you blame that on the yards. offensive I mean, line, right? He he had some of the best hey, stats hey, for a losing quarterback ever. Play ball exactly no i was gonna i was gonna say that but at the same time i mean it's hard to it's hard to super blame brady for that he's a quarterback he's not a wide receiver so you're asking him to do a little bit too much there um we are gonna talk next week about baseball because opening opening day is uh just nine days away here uh recording this on february 7th like i said at the top of the show um still some question marks for sure pitching should be good we've talked about it we can kind of Check out that roster next week and get ready for that big opening series. I think Winthrop is the uh, the first series coming up. Um, I mentioned basketball is, is really not worth discussing at this point. Um, I, I don't know what else they could really do with this season. It would be impossible to make the tournament outside of winning the SEC tournament, which also would pretty much be it's impossible. It's too sad to even think about yeah. who they're going to hire. It is. It's going to be awful. And it's also sad because AK has been fairly decent to to mediocre to decent to good some seasons uh, from a coaching perspective, and to see his tenure end like this pathetically is uh, kind of a bummer. Um, no matter if you blame Vitter or Kennedy or whoever, it's um, overall a positive uh, tenure, but it kind of is what it is at this point. And when you've also hung your hat on twenty win seasons and not having a losing season and stuff like that, when the SEC has been so bad. Uh, you know, I think it's fair. He's the, uh, he's the Jeff Fisher of college basketball. <laughs> about that just now. That's, That's pretty good. He... But I think I think it's fair when you are setting that as the the benchmark of achievement to to come back and say, well, you had a losing season. Like, what does wait, that wait, say wait, about wait, you? Wait. If he's Jeff Fisher, does that mean uh, we're gonna hire the next Sean McVay and like? be like a six seed in the tournament or something. Yeah. If that analogy was real, we would, but we all know that that's a joke. Um, well, I do have to say, I think Wesson, uh, 
Wesson texted us because we were talking about him on the last episode, both for uh, for softball and we were also talking about uh, the coaches that he wanted to hire. But it's not in the, it's not in the text just to us; it's in the larger text. It's gonna be too hard to find probably. But he did send me the names of those coaches. Um, I will try to find them, if not tonight, next time we talk to y'all. Uh, just so you can be, you know, like Wesson, hoping that, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, here we go. So Wesson was listening to the podcast and sending me just in real time all the, the mistakes I was making. Kyle Watson does not play for Ole Miss anymore. I think I said he did. Uh, he's in the minor leagues. Uh, the two coaches that Wesson likes, Steve Forbes and Eric Musselman, uh, he said, doubt they would, he said, uh, he actually said, doubt they would be very successful, even though both are good coaches. So maybe he doesn't want them. I don't know. It's hard to tell. We'll have to get Weston back on to explain it himself. Um, at least uh, at least if they do fire AK, we'll get content out of the uh, the basketball hot board and coaching search and all that. Um, silver linings, you know. All right, Johnny, got anything else you want to talk about this week? No, that's it. Is baseball open this weekend or next? Yeah, that's it. A week from Friday, so about nine days from now. Gotcha. So we'll talk about that on the next episode. We'll see what we can do. There's nothing, nothing going on this weekend. Nope, nope. It's uh, it's a dead weekend. College basketball is about the only thing. I think softball starts this weekend. Um, I don't know enough about it to comment. I know, uh, you know, Elantra Cox is back. Uh, Kristen, you know, I would imagine they'd have, they'd be expected to be a contender for a regional regional host. Yeah, I think you, I think you have to after season they had last year, and then bring in back your uh, your pitcher and um, some of your other position players. Bring back enough people. Yeah, so we'll talk about that. We'll be following that as the as the year goes on, and we'll get into baseball, all of that. Um, and then, yeah, probably get, not going to be a ton to talk about on the football front. I, I, from talking to different people, I don't expect Matt Luke to make staff changes now, even though that does happen sometimes after signing day. Um, I think Ole Miss fans are hoping, you know, still to replace Maurice Harris and maybe Derek Nix, but I don't expect that this year. We'll see. Uh, obviously, it would be a welcome change. Um, we'll be following all of that. Uh, as John I said, wonder if Matt Luke is keeping Maurice Harris and um, Nick on for maybe two reasons. One, they're still on probation, not a bowl game, so maybe they can't hire the top, as good yeah. as they want. Yeah. Two, if they don't have a great year this next year, well, you got to do something to make it change up, make everybody happy. It's yeah. too obvious. Body, they're human shields. Yeah, I think that's a good theory. I think you're keeping them around. Throw them to the Gators and make everybody happy. You're keeping them around to uh, to sacrifice if you need to down the line. Um, good stuff. Um, well, yeah, like I said, that'll do it for us this week on the show. Had a lot of fun breaking down this recruiting class. Uh, I know we I, we said I said a couple of weeks ago that I wanted to compare this class when it's done to some other freeze classes and maybe we maybe we will do that when we get into the doldrums of uh of spring and summer as far as content and and stuff going on goes um we're not gonna do that tonight but i still i think in just from a ten thousand foot level without going deeply into any of the classes i think this would rank around third of freeze's classes uh 2016 and 2013 were better um but overall i think it's solid i don't think freeze would have signed uh, this deep of a class this year that filled some positions of need. That's maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he would have gotten back into his, you know, recruiting prowess. But after last year's cycle, I just I wouldn't expect him to do too well, um, especially if he was coming off a six and six like like Luke was this year with some sanctions. So you know, things could be worse. Things could be better. But Luke still has a long way to go before we're ready to you know write him off and say it's not going to work. Uh, 2019 is going to be huge. Um, and that starts now. So the recruiting class 2019, you are on the clock, and uh, we'll be following that. So, of course, like I say at the end of every show, um, thanks for listening, and you can check us out on some social platforms, on Twitter, on SoundCloud, um, all that stuff. Uh, but for now, uh, for John, I'm Justin. Thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 